Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Rugby players are people, and people are rugby players. Discuss this statement, eight marks. You haven't planned an intro at all, have you? <laughs> yeah. I want you to do an exam question. <laughs> okay. On what, rugby players. To buy yourself time this is your for an in- exam. In- intro? Okay. This is your rugby exam. Okay, okay. So the question was, rugby players are people and people are rugby players discuss. Yes. Eight marks. Uh, I would argue that people can be rugby players, but aren't always yes. rugby players. So, uh, for instance, there are some people that I know or have heard of who aren't rugby players. Okay. I'm not sure whether or not name one? rugby... Uh, um, 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 Lockie Crichton. He's not a real rugby player. Okay, I would, I would dispute that. I would say there is evidence that we may get to that suggests he is a rugby player. Mm. But I understand why you say it. Mm, I'm not I sure. I understand why you say. In it. my opinion, maybe not. Uh, maybe that's your opinion that he's a rugby player. But in my opinion, no. I do not think that rugby players are all necessarily people. I think that some of them are robots. Who robots? Yes, who are programmed to play rugby? It's not like it was in the eighties when people had skill and um, could uh, play heads up rugby. Whereas now they have it yes, drilled into true, them that true. they have to run into people rather than the space. Yes, yes, faces not spaces. No, I hear you. I hear you, mm-hmm. and I would agree. How are you doing, by the way, Stephen? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm here, of course, with my many awards. Which I'm very proud to have received. Yes, and how about course, you, Mark Ring? Uh... <laughs> I was going for Stuart Barnes, but they'll do. They're both Welsh and both could play fly half. But it was unadvised. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I never saw Stuart Barnes play. I'm <laughs> saying that he was an uncapped lion. You know, he didn't didn't play in a test, but he went on a lion's tour. Yeah, fair play to the lad. And you know what? That's not a bad record. Yeah, he probably hated it. He did all right. Yeah, and you know what? Stuart Barnes. We've talked about in this podcast far too much for how relevant he is these days in very the true. Because he has got on. So I am giving you four marks out of eight for that answer. Okay. Okay. You could have, you know, uh, added like a quote or something. However, I am going to move on to the next round of your rugby exam. Oh, what? There's more? Okay. There's more. This comes from funtrivia.com with a user-submitted quiz called Rugby, the best sport ever. Okay. 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 Rugby is my favourite sport. These questions should be easy for anyone who knows rugby. Oh, but I don't know what okay. rugby is. Okay. A scissor move is commonly used by the back line. A scissor can also be called a... You've got multiple choice, okay? Okay. A, cock. <laughs> K-O-C-K. <laughs> was not what I was this to go. <laughs> B, loop. C, switch. D, skip. 
Those are all actual rugby terms, apart from cock, <laughs> which they've randomly just thrown in there. I'm going to go with cock. So, so can we can we work through this, okay. right? So let's work backwards. Okay, so skip is a sort of crisp, so it can't be that. No, it can't be because he'd never name a rugby movie. And also, like, common it's crisp. the thing that like boxers do. You know, they use the little rope. Yeah, 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 to, yeah. You know, yeah. And like young girls as well. Yeah, and boys. Uh, and young boys. And young uh, fish. So Switch, that's bloody Nintendo, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, who gives a shit? Loop is what we're stuck on doing this podcast forever. Yeah. So it's got to be cock. It's got to be cock. Yeah, Vince. It's got to be cock. That's a rugby thing. So therefore, yes, it's that. Which of these players is not involved in the scrum? Okay. This is sort of a trick question. Okay. Prop number eight, scrum half, wing. That is a little bit of a trick question because obviously, if you get someone sent to the sim bin, you might put your wing on the scrum. So mm. it's a bit of a trick question. So I'm going to say scrum half. Yeah, because they're not involved. They're not in involved the in the scrum. They stand nearby. Yeah, like I'm not involved in a game if I go and watch it, do I? Look, they they assist the ball in being involved in the scrum, but they are not directly mm. themselves involved mm. in the scrum. When have you ever seen one push? I think we saw it once in this tournament. In 1987, but, you know a, few, a few lads tried it. But this is a modern quiz. When the ball is dropped, it is called a blank. Yeah, I think it is. Knock on, oh. line out, obstruction or advantage. Now, it can be two of these things. Yeah, that's also a bit of a trick question. So, obviously, it's a line out. <laughs> what is the primary job of the touch judges? They determine whether or not the ball touches the ground in the try zone. They determine whether or not the ball has been dropped forward. They determine whether or not a defence is offside. They de- determine whether or not the ball is carried out of bounds. That's all, all of, of the them. above. They do all of those. Obviously, they're mostly about knock-ons, aren't they? Because they award line-outs. So, what is the pitch? Okay. What? Pitch in inverted commas. Is the pitch the ref, the jersey, the field, or the goalpost? What? I'd say the goalpost is part of the It's the, the jersey. Pitch. Oh, okay. Should we split the difference and say the ref? All right, yeah, fair enough. We'll meet in the middle. Yeah. What is the line between the 50-metre line and the 5-metre line? Hmm. The 22-metre... I mean, the, there's a couple. The you know, you've got the 10-metre line <laughs> as well, yeah. Um, the 10-metre line is meter line. mind. Which of these is the result of the ball being carried out of bounds? 10-metre penalty, scrum, line-up, penalty kick. Well... I would say it's a penalty because there's an implication that after running out of bounds, the guy punched somebody. Yeah, I would say it's a scram. How would you address the referee during a rugby match? Uh, you'd Mr. say cunt. Sir, man, just plain old ref. <laughs> I'm going to take that one. Oh, You call him man. I once had, a couple of years ago, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, so mm. I played a game and it was like a, a third team game and... I was there in the changing rooms before even like the warm up or anything yeah. and the referee came in and spoke to myself as captain and our usual captain who was injured at the time and was coaching and spoke to the two of us about you know just regular kind of shit before a game our, cap- the, the, our coach on the day who does listen to this podcast oh, well. said alright mate yeah we'll be through in a minute and the referee went I'm not your mate I'm the referee <laughs> and tried to like do a really like serious put down to somebody who A wasn't playing and B before the game had even started for just casually saying like oh alright mate and then we just kind of gave each other a look of, like oh no no, he's going to be one of these, yeah. isn't he? 
it's really insecure yeah at least you knew before you got on the field yeah you had time to prepare oh yeah yeah. and i tweeted about it in the when i was in the uh changing rooms before the warm-up nice and was very yeah ready for what was going to happen this is where it turns out that that guy is a huge fan of your work for a rugby pass yeah but just just hasn't looked at your face sure or all for screen sure yeah fan of the rugby pass stuff but not the squidge stuff no, I hate it. But hates it. Who obviously, wouldn't? as soon as the final whistle went, everyone it's was like, man. "All right, mate, well done, mate!" In the yeah. tunnel, and like the whole squad was on board with just what a massive power complex Belen this guy was. So doing it at lower leagues, man. Yeah, I know. At least with like a, a Matt Carley or a Nika Amshikeli. At least they've reached a level where I can understand the need to have a little bit of it in your sure. system. Sure. If you're, you know, refereeing at the top level in front of eighty thousand people, and you have these like. Alan Wynne-Jones is a guy famous for being a leader of men. You know, like, he is this kind of, like, very old-school, almost biblical figure. I understand needing a little bit of a power complex to power you through that. Sure. To power you through telling him off. Yeah. But... Where you're doing it at lower leagues, man. You're doing it, like... It you're doing it in a game that is so shit that you're captaining. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're not just playing your captain. Yeah, yeah, that's how bad it was. And yeah, like, it was a friendly game. It wasn't anything big and yet he thought right mm. okay i'm gonna turn up today and i'm gonna tell 30 people off i'm gonna tell them what to do then he looked himself in the mirror that night and went you've done good today sir what does it mean to kick for touch oh christ are we kick still the ball doing... through the post we've got two more questions we're gonna get to the end kick the ball to the try zone kick the ball out of bounds kick the ball straight downfield kick the ball straight downfield because it touches the floor at that point Agreed. That is touch. Which of these players wears the highest number? This is a good question. I like this one. Okay. Okay. I'm going to read them very quickly and I want you to very quickly tell me. Okay. Okay. Scrum off prop wing number eight. Go. Josh Turnbull once wore 36 for the Scarlets. So it's Josh Turnbull. (laughs) Josh Turnbull. Correct answer. Okay. Submit my answers. Let's find out how we did. We got one out of 10. Yes. Wait, which one did we get the right? The average score for this quiz is 9 out of 10. This is bollocks. We're killing it. We're getting we're getting the one that everyone else misses. We're killing it. <laughs> that is actually the Squidward brand all over, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It really is. That was a really good quiz. Thank you for doing that for us. That was. I'm so glad I only have a little bit of regret over doing that. Yeah. You're so glad about that. And And what else? And who else are you? I'm acclaimed filmmaker Paul Thomas Anderson. Who are you? I'm Stephen Jones, as previously established. Fantastic. What a dynamic we're going to have. It's Um, weird that somebody decided to get us both in a room together to talk about Samoa versus the USA from the Rugby World Cup of 2007. It's a really unlikely combination of people to put together. And yet, I think it's going to work. Yeah, I think so. Good to meet you. Oh, wait, no, no, we're good friends. Sorry. We're we're excellent friends. Uh, Some may say even brothers. (laughs) We've won a lot of awards back to us. The lesser known version of Magnolia that actually had, they actually cut from Magnolia a character that was Stephen Jones, Mm. who was just kind of sat there in his room polishing his awards and being grumpy because Twitter hadn't been invented back then. So he just had a little notebook that he wrote down (laughs) things in and then like he would pretend people replied in his notebook and he'd just like scribble them out. But no! Jonathan Edwards is not here. The former Scarlet's flanker. That's right. Remember Jonathan Edwards? Good player. Yeah, good player. Yeah, solid, solid player. That is a deep cut. Yeah, for fans we've had of two big, long conversations about We were meant to leave it a good player. Yeah, cool. Okay, so the game, as previously mentioned today, is Samoa's twenty-five twenty-one win 
over the United States of an America. Yes, it's Samoa's final game of this Rugby World Cup. It's a weird one. Obviously, we'll get to it when we do our little leaving party for them later on. Yeah. It's a strange one because they've had probably quite mixed results so far in this tournament. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think that it's an extremely promising team and we've got a video on Samoa in the works for 2023. And I think you made the point in the script for that, that this team is what goes on to become the 2011 team, you know? Yeah. That's very much the way round that this is. But as a roster, it's a really good squad that they've got out. Mm. We'll get into it when we look at the team itself, but they've slightly changed the team ahead of the USA game, knowing that they've probably got a good chance at a win here. Yeah, so it's probably worth noting there is quite a tight turnaround for both of these teams here. Mm. So Samoa are playing four days after the game against England. Which is ludicrous. And the USA have had two whole weeks off since their last game. And then they have another game in four days' time. Wow. I was going to say, South Africa. it felt like a long time since we last covered the USA. Yeah. So they played their opening two games like right next to each other. So they played the first game on the 8th of September, their second game on the 12th of September, so four-day turnarounds. They didn't have two weeks and they played another four-day turnaround. It's not Which a is the worst schedule Cup. anyone's ever had yeah. at a World Cup, possibly. That's an awful awful way of working that out it's horrible isn't it yeah and you can very much tell they never give that to a bigger team no no that is minnow being screwed over all over you know they know they've got england south africa they need to appease in this pool so everyone else just gets shoved around yeah and playing anybody after this samoa team four days after is just not a task anyone wants to take on like so many of the usa's important players take knocks in this game like yeah. we'll, we'll get on to Todd Clever and uh, Mike Herkus we probably won't talk about his injury but like at the end of the game he limps off and mm. I know for a fact he plays in the next game four days later just imagine the work he would have had to put in to turn around that's ridiculous in four days to play against like the USA team that plays a few days later is remarkably similar yeah that's insane it's the same backline they name you know and they make some changes in the pack but like they name the same backline four days later yeah and they are obviously bruised from playing against Salela Mapasua, Alessana Tuilangi, Lomifa Atau, Eliosifu Manisipolu, you know. These guys are extremely yeah. physical. And so if you look at that Samoa team, if we dig in a bit, mm. it is quite notably changed yeah. since the previous game. So Fulmanisipolu continues at 10. You've got Tuilangi and Mapasua both keep their places. Mapasua move in to 12 and 13. Yeah. But other, oh, and Lockie Crichton at fullback. But otherwise, like, it is big shifts. Yeah. So Mahonry Schalger and Kane Thompson stay in. They're the only members of the pack that stay. Yeah. The rest of and Samuel Satiti shuffles over from seven to six. So, yes. the, I mean, the, the change in the back row are quite interesting, actually, because Dan Leo is shelved for the time being. And at eight, instead of Henry Tuolangi, they bring in Alfie Toala, who was a really solid ball carrier. We A player that we kind of grew up watching in his time in mm. the Premiership. Really, really solid player and great to see him playing in the Rugby World Cup. And of course, at seven, they bring in Maria. Yes. So that's one of the big things is Maria doesn't make the team. Maria drops out. I wonder if it's possibly because of all of the stuff going on, like the controversy around the fact that she, A, left the pitch off intercourse as an opposition player and Jack got dropped by England as well. Uh, there was a disciplinary going on with World Rugby at the time. Like, they did investigate this. It wasn't confirmed the results yet, because obviously they had to look into far more than, you know, they do with like, a dangerous tackle, mm. but they can just do it in two days. You know, or like, 
when Jonathan Sexton calls the referee a cunt, they can just like spend like four months looking over that, and that doesn't that's not very difficult. Whereas this, when they've got to work out who these two guys are and why Maria's playing in the first place. And why she's then turning up a few days later in England face paint in an England game <laughs> and having intercourse with a player who's on the bench. There's a lot of question marks there. There's a lot of question marks there. Apologies if this is your first episode of listening to the podcast. It's been a really bad start. I didn't realise that Maria wasn't playing. I think the commentators must have got it wrong because I thought that mm. she was playing at seven. But the com- commentators no, looked yeah, at yeah. a guy called, I don't know, I'm just going to pluck a name out of a hat here, like Justin Purdy. I don't know. I've just made up a name for a rugby player uh, who definitely isn't a real rugby player, right? That's that's somebody I could have named earlier as not a rugby player. But have they maybe just seen that guy and gone, oh, well, that that's probably Maria. I don't know. Let's not look at my team sheet. I think that's what's happened. Because yeah. I think Justin Purdy also isn't a real rugby player. Yeah. And it's only kind of accentuated once you have a look into his story. Because it is ridiculous and fake. Okay, I've never heard of this guy. Me neither. So I looked him up, right? So Justin Purdy, right, played eight games for Samoa all in 2007. Okay. Okay. I love it when players like that make it to a World Cup. Yeah. Like he just he just had one burst of form, all of it in the same year. Yeah, happened to go to a World Cup, so we're and talking about it a now. day after that. Yeah, he was a guy who had just graduated university. Okay, right. He just left. He's finished. You know, he'd finished with possibly honors. Who knows? He'd been to Victoria University of Wellington. Okay, and one day in two thousand and five, when he just started playing club rugby, Wellington who at the time were coached by Chris Boyd, okay. who'd obviously go on to coach Northampton and the Hurricanes, found himself in a situation where Jerry Collins and Rodney Sawialu were both injured, both unavailable. And so, Justin Purdy, right, who was playing local amateur rugby, got called up three divisions to play for Wellington. Wow! In the place of Jerry Collins. My God, there's big boots to fill. So he's one of those who's not come up through the traditional kind of academy type system. One of those no. who's grafted in senior rugby and first team rugby and then just been plummeted into super rugby. That's ridiculous. That never happens. Yeah. So he just got pulled up because they were short on players. Mm. They, they were literally like a professional team was short on players. So they went into the amateur leagues and they went down like three, two or three divisions and pulled out a player who wasn't contracted somewhere so they could play him. Wow. They could just register and play him right away. They didn't need to talk to any other club. That's very cool for him that he then made the leap to internationals after that as well. He plays one game for Wellington, right? And somehow, no one's quite sure how, through that amateur rugby and through maybe the connection of just knowing Chris Boyd now, was able to get into the Samoa team. He only ever played one game for Wellington. Okay. But didn't play other like televised rugby like ITM Cup no. or whatever it was at the time. Wow. That's really strange. That's sketchy. Do you think he's an industry player? Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. So he, yeah, he got picked by Samoa two years later. No, I'm not quite sure why. There's no kind of information out there. Yeah, the time on... frame of this and quite how this has all happened. Yeah. But Justin Purdy then, off the back of this tournament, signs for Dax in the Pro okay. Leader. Good on your lads. Nine he's, games. He's got a career out of that. He then spends, like, after playing at Dax, he then slowly starts dropping the leagues and spends 
eight years just bouncing around the French divisions, going down like a league every few years. Fair until play. he's eventually playing in the fifth division. The Ricky division. January system. Yep. And he eventually retires in 2016, where he heads back to New Zealand afterwards. And in his words, right, having played professional rugby for the Wellington Lions, he played one game, Marley Samoa at the 2007 Rugby World Cup and then abroad in the Pro League in France, it's safe to say I picked up a few lessons around discipline, teamwork and the values of hard work. Oh yes, rugby values! Which is why, after I moved back from France in 2016, it surprised me how transferable those skills would be to apply to my career in recruitment. Oh yes, recruitment values. He's now a big recruitment man in New Zealand, and literally everything on his website is about how he used to play international rugby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's that guy who goes like, did you know I once played first team when I was like, yeah, you know, 19. That's brilliant. Except like, you know, he did actually play at a World Cup. Yeah, he actually went to a World Cup. Fair play to the guy. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If I had had the career he'd had where I'd played like a dozen games of professional rugby, I would milk the shit out of it. Yeah. I milked the shit out of scoring once against Ilkiston. Which know, wasn't even allowed. Was there. You that didn't is score irrelevant. a try. That is irrelevant. You put the ball that is irrelevant. The line. That is irrelevant. Score. That is irrelevant. It was against Ilkiston and fuck Ilkiston, so I'll give it to you. Yeah, why are you standing up to Ilkiston? I'm not. My point is only I have milked that more <laughs> than he has his <laughs> you career. Milked a so <laughs> No. No, 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 no. It was a legit try and the referee was corrupt. I'm with Razzie. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> sorry, carry on. I'm not doing this podcast anymore. Sorry, sorry. I'm not doing this podcast. Sorry. I don't want to do this podcast. Sorry. That was funny. I don't want to do this podcast. The other change in the Samoa team that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. In the centres comes Elvis Savidi. Yes. Who, obviously, you know, really fun player, really enjoyable player, had a really good, solid career. Yeah. Uh, played for Bath, Ospreys, Sale. I think I best remember his time at London Irish. Mm. But yeah, had a spell at the Ospreys before my time. He was part of that, like, first Ospreys squad in 2003. Oh, yeah. Two years at the Ospreys in their first two years as a team. A couple of years at Bath, a couple of years at Sale. And then a few years bouncing around the Prodigy Dirt at the end of his career. Has gone on since to become a specialist women's rugby coach. Has he? So he, he went on to coach women's rugby in the USA, was coaching the Californian state team. Oh, sweet. And has, yeah, coached like women's rugby around the USA since. Oh, that's really cool that he's specialised in that. It's really yeah. good when you see like players of this era who were ahead of the curve and went straight into that, knowing that that was yeah. going to be the next big thing. And I think that we can't say that of many Samoan players for certain, that, that mm. they've yeah. taken that jump. So that's really, really great that he's gone for that. So yeah, so... You know, solid career, good guy. This is his last game for Samoa. Yeah. Bless him, he does not have the best game here. No, he plays until 2013, but he doesn't play for Samoa again after this, which I think is kind of heartbreaking for him. Because he he played well enough to deserve it. Sure. Bless him. But the Uh, thing is, often with Samoan players, and also Fijian and Tongan players, like either their clubs don't allow them to play that many test matches, Mm. or they just don't get many opportunities, because their professional careers are so such huge commitments. And you often see it where, outside of World Cup years, players that play in the top 14 of the Premiership or the URC literally aren't able to fly back to play in the PNC. Yeah. Like, it's a big commitment to get over, stay there for a few weeks, miss the preseason, 
So you often see those games involve kind of weakened teams where they've only got a handful of those players. Even without the clubs specifying it, it just becomes kind of a difficulty, like a logistical nightmare sure. to get people over when the seasons aren't synced up and you kind of don't have the global calendar at all. Yeah. However, right, Lockie Crichton's kind of bow for Samoa, his last game for Samoa, came at the cost of another final game for Samoa that I think we kind of have to talk about right. when talking about this game and this lineup. Four, obviously, Samoa have four days between the previous game against England and this game, right? And during that time, World Rugby decreed something. They put in place a ban for a dangerous tackle. Okay. Which one? There was a lot of them in that game. The one, the only, maybe one of the, the most famous tackles in this World Cup. Oh, shit, It's not course. in any World Cup. Brian Lima, the first player to play in five World Cups here, up until this point, had played in Samoa's every World Cup, played in most of their games. Saw himself banned the day before this game, so had to be withdrawn and replaced by Savili. I mean, it's fair enough. Tackle that on Johnny Wilkinson. He absolutely lamped Wilkinson there, and it's a very famous tackle. But it also was very definitely illegal, like very dangerous. Oh yeah, it was horrible. It yeah. was just an absolute state. It was hideous. It would be a clear red card nowadays. Yeah, the yeah. fact he got a yellow and then a subsequent ban is kind of he's off you know, there. It, yeah, considering some of the tackles people get away from this tournament, it just highlights how bad it was. For sure, for sure. So he was hit with a three-week ban in the lead-up to this game. Suspended, banned, sent off, etc. He does, however, and this is a lovely moment, we see him on the sidelines a couple of times during the game, and he does come out a full-time, out of the final whistle, to perform a Civital, which That's is cool. a kind of lovely moment for him, and kind of sums up his career, him getting to be incredibly aggressive. It's described as a hacker by ATP and Scrum. I'm assuming they mean Civital. Sure. It's a kind of cultural yeah. misstep. But... It's a really, really lovely, nice moment. That is what he deserves, even though he is a man with a very questionable past, I think, it's safe to say. Yes. Including a lot of the tackles he made and the aggression he put in onto the pitch. But the one thing that you can definitely say in his favour is he is a huge servant for Samoan rugby. And I say huge both literally and metaphorically. It's the send-off his career probably is summed up by. Yes. I'm not saying deserve, but summed up by. As you say, by. he gets to be really aggressive at the final whistle yeah. of the game that he wasn't playing in <laughs> because he was banned. Yeah, exactly. He's not, yeah, because he's banned for a dangerous tackle on the most famous player in the world. Yeah. Who, when he retired, referred to it as the hardest hit he ever had. Unsurprising. Yeah, like that came up in the Johnny Wilkinson book I read repeatedly when I got out of the library when I was a kid. You know, like he mentioned that tackle by Brian Lehmer and how hard he hit and how it was the hardest hit we'd ever come across. Yeah. And you know what? That is his legacy. Yeah. His legacy is other players going, bloody hell, it hurt to play against this guy. Yeah. Well, we'll have a lot more of Brian Lehmer to watch as we go along in this series. Can I give you a very quick feature? Because you loved it last time. You and Rhiannon were so into this. What? Other things that happened on this day, on the day of this game. Oh, no. Okay. Right? So in 2011, going forward in time... England played Romania. We did a podcast hey, episode we did. on that. Also, Mark Cueto and Chris Ashton both got hat tricks. While you say that, there is somebody in the crowd at this game holding a sign that says, 2011, Manu Samoa yes. fights back. Yes, which they do, in fairness. Yeah, they do. But it's just do. a weird thing that I feel like you're counting them out a bit too soon, going like, unlucky be... on your loss to the USA <laughs> that I'm going to, but you'll, fi- you'll be better in four years' time when half of you won't be playing. To be fair, if I was a time traveller, I would do exactly the same. That's true. And I would just go to the crowd in rugby matches and be like, it's okay, we beat them next time. Yes. 
2011, Manu Samoa beats Namibia 61-24. I'd just like, I'd go there during the Six Nations in 2015 and hold up a sign in the crowd saying, don't worry, Wales beats them during the World Cup. (laughs) That England game. Like, we win the one that matters. On this day in 1949, the Wallabies won their first ever test series on New Zealand soil. Congrats to them. Thanks to a try from fly half Neville Emery. Oh, yes, Nev. (laughs) 1995, Kieran Bracken signed his first professional contract. (laughs) (laughs) He was posted. 1955, South Africa beat the Lions in the final test to draw the series 2 all. Referred to at the time as maybe the most exciting Lions tour ever. Okay, okay. Back then they used to play 30 games and that was way more exciting. Yep, uh, this is a very good one. This is a very good amateur rugby one, right? 1960. So, London Irish, right, were playing against Crawshay's 15 at Old Tear Park. (laughs) This was a game arranged to celebrate their 75th anniversary. Okay. However... The match was delayed 10 minutes because London Welsh had to go and just, like, find a scrum half. <laughs> so their first choice scrum half they'd picked, Di Tompkins, didn't turn up. So they got to kick off and they're like, we don't have a scrum half. So they had to, like, they didn't have a second choice there because it was before you had benches. Yeah. So they literally had to just, like, go around town trying to see if anyone <laughs> could play nine for them in the 75th anniversary fixture. Di Tompkins, where you at, man? Where are you, Di? Come on, Di. It's funny, because you say all of that. But we did also cover a game in 1987 where Fiji did that. That's true, that's true. They just plucked a guy from the crowd to be the reserve Sit on the bench. We also have Billy Boston retired in 1968. Great. Let's have one more. On this day. Billy Boston just had a statue built. Oh, you know? is he? Good okay, on him. that's cool. Yeah, you know, it's it's lovely. And in 1975, Wales played Japan for the first time. And won 82-6. JPR Williams scored a hat-trick. Uh, Phil Bennett scored 34 points. <laughs> That's OP. <laughs> that is what happened on this day. And you know what else happened on this day? The USA played summer. Yeah, they kicked off, didn't they? Well, we've not looked at the USA team. No, well, we don't have to. Okay, so the USA team, right? They've got some rugby players in it. And you know what? They're all people. They're it's all more or less, in fairness, the same team that's been playing the entire tournament. It is. Yeah. Dean Gwenya on the wing is the exciting kind of pick with somebody in the crowd, again, holding a sign saying, score a try, Z, which is quite nice. Uh, I like that. They also had a list of list, a website listed on there, and I went on there. There's nothing exciting. So uh, oh, useless okay. bit of research. Yeah. Dean Gwenya moves from 11 to 14 yeah. to accommodate Slacey Seeker. Yes. Uh, I'm a fan of Seeker as this tournament yeah. has gone on. There's a handful of USA players that I've really, you know, warmed to. Owen Lentz being one of them, I think, plays really, really well in this game. Yeah, I think he has a great game. And also, in at number eight, they bring in Tassi Moonga, who is of seemingly no relation to Richie Moonga. But that can't be the most common name because I've not seen that before other than on Richie. But he's like crying at the anthem. This is his last test match he plays for the USA. Uh, Having played since 1999 for them. So that was a really good moment before kickoff. I decided, you know what? I like you, Tassi Moonga. So he is of Tongan descent. So it's kind of nice that he was born in Tonga Mm -hmm. and then moved to Merkel when he was quite young. Okay. Went on to play there for a while. And obviously, yeah, played for the national team for a long time yeah had a nine-year international career of course there's Uh, a point where the commentators and it is once again those idiots commentating on yeah 
uh, England games. At one point, the moron lead commentator, who constantly thinks we care for his opinion, goes, he was born in Tonga. I wonder how he feels about this game. And it's like, okay, couple of things. Firstly, he's playing international rugby. Of course, he's not going to have split loyalties. He's going to want the team he's playing for to win. Secondly, just so you know, Samoa and Tonga are different countries. So he's not going to have split loyalties out of somewhere that's close to the place where he was born. Yeah. It's like saying that any Welsh player playing against Scotland is going to have split loyalties, you know. It's, yeah, it's exactly. a stupid comparison. It's a bit ridiculous. Yeah. We do also have, though, in this team, Nacy Malifa on the bench. Yes. Fly half. Yes, went to 2011. Yes, who is from American Samoa. Of course he is. Of course he is. So there is a level of split loyalty there. He doesn't get on, though, does he? He doesn't. He doesn't. But I don't know. I think there's like... There could have been quite a nice American Samoa versus Samoa narrative. Mm. And obviously, you know, he could have played for American Samoa or he'd be qualified for the USA as well. American Samoa being the worst team in the world. Of course. I can understand why perhaps he didn't. Yeah. Instead, I, he played for I the wonder whole if there's Samoa. a kind of, yeah, next try wins narrative you can build out. <laughs> but, right, do you want to know an interesting thing about Nessie Malifa? Go for it. So, Nessie Malifa, right, was obviously qualified for both the USA and Samoa being, you know, American Samoa. And so, he played, you know, international 15s rugby for the USA. He also played sevens for the USA for five years. Okay. Played in 18 World Series tournaments, which is not bad going. He then went on to play in Samoa in the kind of regional sevens tournaments, where he would later after that go on to play international cricket for Samoa. Holy shit, I didn't know that. So he's a double international. Admittedly, I don't know what the standard of the Samoan national cricket team is. No, but... I don't think it's that strong. Once again, I'd but milk all the, the shit same. out of that. Yep. That's that's brilliant. I had no idea about that. That It's always great when you learn something about early 2010s era rugby players that you grew up watching <laughs> and became yeah. novelties to you. It's always great when you learn new interesting facts about those guys. And like, so a seeker in the midfield as well, yes. who is... Born, so he's born on an island group just outside Tonga, Vavau, which is technically like a Tongan territory. But there's a kind of, you know, like there is a very much a separate thing. It's almost like a kind of, like a Catalan Spain sure. situation where there's, I, as I understand it, as I understand it's kind of a separate, you know, deal where there are people from Vavau who feel like very proud of that separate to, you know, Tongan heritage. Sure. So yeah, but then he moved to the USA when he was, reasonably young and was i mean this is like a kind of extraordinary story really he was offered a nfl scholarship oh wow to go to oregon state university turned it down for two reasons one was rugby want to keep playing rugby and the other one was to do a christian mission for two years in connecticut so we followed that through he's now married to a former pro boxer oh yes sana asiska and they have together eight kids. Eight siblings. So seven siblings each of them will have. Yeah. Wow. That's a very talented sporting family, no doubt, with a background in American football, rugby and boxing. Worth mentioning, his uncle also represented the United States at the 99 World Cup. Oh, cool. Who's his uncle? Alatini Saululala. Okay. I would say no. So we will get I'm to him. Forget that by the time we get there. But yep, and we'll be like, oh, remember we talked about him for like a minute? Yeah. Like, remember Asika from uh, 2007? Yeah, maybe. I don't really know. 
That's us. Yeah, that's what we sound like. That's what we sound like. Yeah. We're bloody idiots. Yeah. We're d- dumb. We are. Stop listening. Don't. Uh, please, it's up to you, you know. I don't mind. Oh, so we get to kick off. Yes, we do. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's a great moment where you've got Mawanga and the anthem for the USA absolutely bawling his eyes out crying and the guy next to him scratching his ear looking slightly bored during the anthem. <laughs> By the way, fun stat about Tassi Mawanga. His first test match was Glenn Ennis's last test match. Oh, wow. So he a played transfer of power. against the bear from the Revenant, which was three years before he starred in his first film. Los Lucadores? Am I saying that Lucadora. right? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That was his first Let's go with that. stunt acting role. Was three years after his final test match, Glenn Ennis. Oh, man. Um, what a career he built himself. What a career in many, many ways. I'm glad to hear from the bear again. Yeah, exactly. I hope he's doing well, you know, mauling Leo's face off, whatever it is he's doing these days. <laughs> anyway, it's time for the kickoff. So there's a little bit of faffing around as the kickoff happens, you know, like mm. there's a lot of Samoa, as they do in every game in this World Cup, just really going overboard to assert, assert their physical dominance at the start of the game. And they love this double switch move that they've tried running a few times yeah. in this World Cup, where they have like 10 runs a switch with Mapasua, who then runs a switch with Tuolangi. And it's like, if you're Mapasua, you can just crash into somebody. It has the exact same effect of doing that. With <laughs> it's one last pass to throw. And like they drop it first time they run it. And the USA play with a little bit of ambition early on. And try going wide. Like, mm. they get Seeker loads of touch of the ball early on. Yeah. This start by Samoa is fantastic. It really is. impressive. And the conditions are pretty atrocious. Yeah. At the really lovely stadium, stars Jeffrey Gouchard in St. Etienne, which we are going to later this Indeed. year. I'm very excited to do so. We will Atmosphere's be great seeing, there, by the way. yeah, Argentina against Samoa. So we see Samoa returning to this oh, stadium lovely. after so many years. So we will be there. If you'll be there, please say hello. But I'm excited to visit this ground because, as you said, the atmosphere really builds. It is nicknamed in France the Green Hell. <laughs> I now don't want to go. Although, at least, um, it's, at least it's a green hell. Like, at least they're looking after the environment there in hell rather yes. than just burning everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's like it's a solar powered hell. Yeah. And we can get behind that. So, yeah, I mean, Samoa, right? You look at this Fiji team, this absolutely vintage Fiji team from this World Cup who love to chuck it about you look at this tonga team who are incredibly incredibly physical right and love to chuck it about and you know what you can say the same of this samoa team because this samoa team came to tactically kick (laughs) 
when they got the ball in the opposition half, there are some just fantastic attacking moves that go on. And yeah. I think, to preface this, I think in the last episodes on Samoa, we've done enough talking about Eliotta Fulmanu Sapoli, the person. Yes. And we've made our feelings very clear on him, the person. And they are extremely contrasting with my feelings on Eliotta Fulmanu Sapoli, the rugby player. Because yes. he lights this shit up. He is named as the official man of the match. Okay. And you know what? He deserves it. Yeah. I'm not saying he's mine. I'm saying he bloody deserves that because he is the main source of entertainment throughout the entire game. Man, he sure is. He sure is. There's a point really early on where he sets up Lockie Crichton to make a break on Novalap, like coming in the line from fullback. And Crichton... It's a weird one because like the defender drifts off him, so he throws a little dummy. But the person he's throwing a dummy to is a guy called Alessandro Tuolangi. And it's like, well, if you have a choice between giving it to Alessandro Tuolangi and not giving it to Alessandro Tuolangi, you know, you probably go for the former. And instead, it goes yeah, for the latter. it's preferable, isn't it? Blows the try opportunity, which he might have done if he passed it and we'd be saying the complete opposite. But he gets absolutely bollocked by EFS after that. Because he is a bellend. Yep. But that doesn't put Fulmano Sapolo off his bullshit at all. No. And... Here's the thing, right? Phil Marley puts the word cunt in flash cunt. Yes. That little break he makes where oh, he throws a mate. little dummy and then does a little shimmy on somebody and then throws that really forced out the back pass to sort yeah. of nobody. Where he's, always, he's sort of just trying to like drop it in the air behind him, but he just sort of drops it instead of like hanging it in the air behind him yeah. for someone to run onto. It's his flash which and is a gorgeous cunt. move. It is. It absolutely is. He He serves it. And yet he is it. Yes, indeed, indeed. You are what you serve if you are Eliotta Fulmanisipolu. Indeed. So Samoa spent the first sort of 15 minutes kicking the lever off it. And then, I mean, so it only takes them five minutes to get their first try in. Yeah. It's a hell of a start, largely from the sheer amount of ball they're booting with the USA kind of doing nothing in return and not kicking a lot of it back or kicking very aimlessly when they are. Yeah. And we end up in the situation where they have pinned the USA five metres out from their own try line and the USA go for your favourite move, the overthrow on the five metre line to a player in the back line. It always works, doesn't it? Yeah, it always works. You've got such a high success rate and definitely doesn't always get dropped or turned over or stolen at the back of the line. Nothing could ever possibly go wrong with that move. And yet, first time for everything. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like it's a complete setup for this to happen as the ball is taken by a seeker in midfield and he gets immediately turned over by a combination of Semo Sititi and Eliotofo Manosopolu on the floor. Plus every other Simone forward who just charges in at it. Like yeah. you have about eight Samoans relying on top of it until the ball pops out. Sure. Most no referees nowadays would give it as unplayable. They'd give like six different penalties. Whereas there, Barnes is just quite happy to, Wayne Barnes, the referee, is quite happy to just sit there and go, oh, you know, the ball will come out eventually. Let's just hang about. <laughs> yeah. Let's just watch this. And like, there's something about the fact that our kind of rugby culture now is so hot on watching clips back to find refereeing penalties that referees are held on such a high standard that like this try wouldn't have been scored now because he would have given like six different penalties and never let the ball come out. Yeah. And but as it I is, mean, because like both teams are pouring their entire packs in because they can, <laughs> because the referee isn't blown for anything. Eventually it's scooped up, scooped out by Junior Polu, who just chucks it out to Savidili 
who is sort of on his own, just like one guy outside him. And it's sort of a two-on-two. Yeah, it is. It is. But Seville is one of those players who was always just very good in those one-on-one scenarios. And he Mm. stands up his man, Chris Wiles, who's no slouch, and throws this really nice ball out wide to Mm. Fatal outside him. Sort of ball it's easy to kind of take for granted. Yeah. To assume is like just quite a basic skill. Yeah. Because in theory, anyone can throw it, but actually executing it and being that flat and crisp for Fatuli to Under run onto. As well. yeah. It's the fact that he gives Fatuli so much time to do the step that he does is yeah. the really impressive thing. Yeah, and that's it. Like, Fatatau jumps for the ball. Fatatau, sorry, sorry. That's right. Jumps for the ball, then kind of just does one of those steps where he basically stops still and waits for the defender to run past him. It's a him. gorgeous side step. It's lovely. It's a really nice side it's step. So like, nice. I hadn't seen this try before, but it's such a such a lovely moment. Yeah. Such a lovely kind of... In fairness, he does well to get the ball down as well. Like, Chris Wiles puts quite a good tackle on him, and yet, you know, he manages to one-handed dot the ball down in the end. Uh, does very, mm. very well to finish that. And yeah, it's a lovely first try for Samoa. It's superb. It's superbly taken. Just clinical, I think is the word. Absolutely. However, it's not long because Samoa keeps the kicking up. They find themselves in another situation where the field is hecka broken. Yeah. And again, Fulmano Zapolu with a touch of class, like pretty much not quite straight from the kickoff, but yeah, the, the next real attack they have in the mm. opposition half, which is about, I'd say three or four minutes later after that first try. They, yeah, three minutes later. Yeah, they, they set off again. EFS goes for this little dummy switch with Mapasua, who runs a great line to just really genuinely draw his man, makes a break himself, does a little hitch kick on the outside, and throws a wide pass to Tuolangi, who is in open country, and God bless anybody who's running up to him. Again, it's Chris Wiles. I really feel for him having to take on Tuolangi one-on-one. So... There's this thing during this game, right, where the best players for Samoa, the kind of most celebrated players for Samoa, being, you know, Tuolangi, Mapasua, Eliotti Fulmanzipolu, yeah, maybe Mo Shralga, yeah, Kane Thompson, Satiti, yeah, all really stand up and have great games. Mm. The USA's best players spend the first half having absolute <laughs> mess that they're kind of reeling from. They get bullied, don't they? Like, Herkis, so, Wiles, Clever, yeah. Stanford. Clever has a quite good first half in fairness. Yeah. But, like, Herkis struggles in this first half. God bless him. And Chris Wiles looks like he's been spun around eight times in a washing machine and then sent out to play. He, like, he is a much, much better player than this first half makes him look like. Chris Wiles has the energy of like a 17-year-old that they've plummeted in and just gone, good luck to your son, yeah. and thrown him in at fullback without really wanting to. And yeah, as you say, he's so much better a player. And even at this stage, he was a much better player right. than that. But it's not really his fault. Yeah. Like Again, he's put one-on-one with Alessandro Tuolangi. Yeah, he was 24. He just completed his first season in the Premiership with Northampton. And he was signing for, um, signing for Saracens for the following season. Where he would obviously go and spend a really long time. You know, he's played ten years at Saracens. Yeah, more or less the rest of his career. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, his, the rest of his career. Yeah, he played his entire rest of his professional career there. Really, really solid. Really, really good player. But this first half is the weakest game I've ever seen him play. Bless him. But he just looks great. like he looks like he's spinning. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not that he's out of form. It's not that he's playing badly. It's not he's making bad decisions. He's just constantly put in a situation where he's got a bloody Tuolangi running at him. Yeah, and where he's like being. You know, he's been stitched up, put I think under, is like, what you're trying to say. Yeah. He gets put into a couple of situations, like at fullback, where he's recovering balls and then having four Samoans running at him. Of course you're going to scuff the kick. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely panicked. So yeah. I don't blame him for literally anything that happens. But this absolutely first half, he's just not. like, 
you can see the look on his face of like, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> you know, like we've all had those days when you're Absolutely. like, I have just like lost it today. And he is not on my dick of the right. day list for, for this. No, like, no, 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 no. Like I have only sympathy for him. You know, if there was an old mate come here and give him a hug list, he'll yes. be on it for me. And to go back to the present, he is put one on one with Tuolangi and comes off second best out of the two. Quite. He actually, I think, makes a decent attempt at speed bumping him. Yeah, he does. If there was somebody like there to just... finish Tuolangi off, then yeah. you would call that a decent attempt. But he gets bounced by Tuolangi, as does everyone. He just dives at Tuolangi as low as he can in the hope of just kind of trip, make, making Tuolangi trip over him, of just becoming like a if human banana If he did that skin. on generic big player, that would be a really good tackle. Yeah. A really good shot. The thing is, it's not, is it? It's not just any big player. Like, if you did that on, like, Alfie Tuala, for instance, he would get him to ground, yeah. or at least slow him down enough that somebody else could. But Alizana Tuolangi is something else one-on-one. Yeah, and so Tuolangi quite obviously bounces him. And then the actual awareness of him to stay in the field and keep his legs up, because he's about to go into touch. Like, yeah. that is the one thing Wiles does, is he's counting on being right next to the touchline. So hopefully a foot just drags over the sideline. Yeah. In which case that gets described as a phenomenal tackle, because it doesn't, because Tuolangi's so aware of where he is on the field, he gets talked about as him being entirely bounced, which both of them are fair. Yes. And Tuolangi, in fairness, does tumble to the deck after Wilder's collision, but with about five metres to spare. And it's a very wet pitch, and momentum just takes him, just slides him the entire way to the try line. And again, the awareness of Tuolangi to just let his momentum carry him and then just place the ball down gently. It's just, it's a world-class finish. It's amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. It's as on Tuolangi all over. Yeah, yeah. It's why he became the figure in the name he is. Yeah. And for some reason, the TMO rewatches this like a thousand times to check that he doesn't go into touch when it's very clear. I think daylight. he's just enjoying it. I think so. To be fair, if you have the pleasure of watching Alessandro Tuolangi, you might as well watch it a few times over. And this TMO just just likes to be sure. You know, <laughs> everything true. he checks about six times more than he has to. It's true. It's true. But yeah, so Sarmar will go to a very early 12-0 lead, which is deserved, I think, that... It's, as I say, yeah. extremely clinical. Both times Complete they've had opportunities in the opposition half. They've taken them uh, two out of three, I suppose. But the, the first one did lead to the one that they did take in the end, you know. And the USA are handed a scrum penalty after this, which is like their lifeline to get back in the yeah. game. And bless Herkus, like he absolutely scuffs it. And it just makes you think if they could have put it at 12-3... At that point, there's at least the illusion of being in the game. Whereas here, it just feels like nothing's going the USA's game like 20 minutes in. Yeah, it kind of feels like they're starting to crumble a bit already. Mm. Mike Herkers, I think in particular, who his decision-making throughout this game is bizarre. He is one of the most 90s players to ever <laughs> live. Like, there's just... He just screams 90s, right? And it doesn't make any sense if his first cat was in 2002. That just doesn't make wow. sense. He's, he didn't for me, 90s. he's such a rugby 4 player. Like he is, that era. but like, he just like, the thing is, right, Mike Herkus doesn't play like it's five points for a try. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Like, there's just, there's something kind of very interesting and regressive about the way he plays the game. Sure, sure, I can see that. And I think him being captain and him approaching the game like that does cost the USA a chance to win this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. I understand them kicking that goal. I think it was more of a problem once they do get bit into the game later or not, later on. Him missing that goal is a problem. 
Obviously, that would have reduced it to a one-point scoreline, meaning he has the conversion to win it at the end, which changed the game completely. But yeah, I don't know. It's a... <sighs> yeah. It kind of sums up the USA in the first half. I think. Yes, I think so. I think there's a few times where they don't help themselves, the USA here. No. And one of those moments comes, I'd say about half an hour in, when Todd Clever puts in a tackle on, I think it's Mapasua running down his channel. And mm. Samoa just oh, carry on yeah. playing around the corner, you know, puts some really good phases together. And yet, all you can focus on is the fact that Todd Clever has collapsed in a heap on the floor. And yes. we went very deep on Lewis Moody last week and his concussion yeah. that he got uh, in that game. It's very clear at this point that Todd Clever is out cold, that he's unconscious on the on the floor. Yeah, There's an extremely long stoppage after the ball goes out of play. After that happens, Todd Clever gets very groggily back up to his feet, looks at Wayne Barnes. Wayne Barnes looks at him kind of thinking, hmm, I'm not sure, but we'll give you the benefit of the doubt, which obviously would yeah. never happen nowadays. A referee would just say, right, no, we'll sit you out. At the time, it was, you asked the player, and the player felt he was fine to continue. Yes. Continue. But then it becomes this like bullshit, like pseudo-masculinity thing of like, no, I'm not going to admit I'm hurt. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, it's going to cost you a later life. Don't do yeah. this. Yeah. Grow up. And Todd like, Clever. Be adult and bloody grown up enough to just say, actually, no, I'm hurt. Yeah. And that's not the best thing for the team. Yeah. You know, put the... And it's honestly... Yeah. Todd Clever gets up, kind of nods to Wayne Barnes, and then jogs in the opposite direction to where the team huddle is, and then has a moment, looks around, goes, where are my team? And then does kind of 180 and goes, right, okay, there they are, and runs towards them, which is deeply concerning from the start that he's clearly lost his bearings already. Uh, we'll, We'll talk about this now rather than later. Later on in the game, Todd Clever picks up another knock and does go off. Yes. Which... Is obviously great to see. Obviously, it's a shame because Todd Clever is such a fantastic player. And but, this is the last time we're going to cover him. No, wait, second to last no, time. No, it's not. Second to last time. No, it's not. Because Todd Clever plays again four days later. Yes, he does. He starts again four days later. Yeah. Now, he doesn't play the full game in that game. So he goes okay. off for 45 minutes in this game. The following game, spoilers, he gets simbined quite early on. Okay. He does do a very but, good thing in the, the next game he plays. I know that much, but... In the next game, he goes off for blood and comes back on. Right. Like, so he ends up playing to the 80, but he misses 20 minutes, 10 off for blood and 10 off for Sembe. Yeah. So he still plays an hour. Yeah. You know, like from that head injury onwards, he plays 20 minutes here. He then plays another game where he plays an hour against the bloody World Cup champion Springboks. Yeah. It's very concerning. Again, I feel like I don't want to sound like a broken record because we went extremely we keep going on the same. Week, yeah. But it's extremely concerning when that happens. And I'm just so grateful that he would not be allowed to play on today. It makes you realise how far we've come and it is so, so stand out, yeah. you know. It's every time, I think I mentioned this, but like you go and sit in a crowd anywhere now and everyone has adapted to that mindset. Yeah. You know, you don't, even the kind of, you know, like going to watch the Ospreys play at the Liberty in the last year, the last time I was there, and I was sat entirely around like old men who'd been, you know, talking about going to watch Swansea when they were kids in the bloody 40s. And now they go and watch the Ospreys because it's you know, the same thing. And they were all talking about like how worried they were when a player went down for HIA. And they were all talking about red cars or any high tech, you know, like it's adapted even in the most hardcore, yeah. you know, the, the same literally anywhere you go, like the same bloody when I went to Toman Park, same when I went to Welford Road, like literally any ground you go to, even the most hardcore screaming games gone soft brigade are now like, actually, this is more important. Yes. Yeah. The message has really, really got through, I Definitely. think. Definitely. And it's got through, thankfully, without a actual 
lawsuit ruining and breaking the sport forever. Sure. Like we managed to do it ahead of time and things were being put in place by 2015, you know, which Todd Clever goes on to play in. Yeah. So, I forgot he played in 2015. Yeah. I mean, he also gets kicked out of the squad in 2015 for all of his misconduct bullshit, which oh, is yeah. like an interesting thing to cover when we get yeah. there. But, you know, we'll save that for another day. But yeah, it makes you very glad that the culture around rugby has changed to a point in which there are still people going, games gone soft, but like they have become so much quieter in the last few years. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And look, we it's all know that the game's gone now. soft. It's yes. just Jiffy. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, mate, a few weeks ago, I saw him. I was watching my beloved rugby league and he was commentating mm. and somebody did like a flying shoulder barge. And then Jiffy went, oh, nowadays uh, they're giving a red card for that in the other kind of rugby. Shut up. Uh, just let it go. You know, yeah. like what you ran around in circles doing aimless bullshit for a bit. Whilst Bled and Bowen and Rob Jones bailed you out constantly. Yeah. Why are they on commentary? Yeah. The funny thing is, right, all the players who were incredibly hard during their playing careers, who were famously hard during their playing careers, are all the ones championing Yes. And all talking about, like, all the ones that probably put their body on the line are the ones going, actually, we need more. Mate, the face of this is Steve Thompson. Yeah. Steve Thompson, Lewis Moody. Yeah. Ryan Jones, like, Alex Popham. Yeah. These guys are all hard-nosed forwards. Yeah. They're all famous for putting their bodies on the line for being incredibly tough. Mm. Right? Isn't it funny that the players that are always complaining afterwards that the game's gone soft are always the backs who never took this contact? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, that. It's always the kind of, like, pretty boys that complain the game's gone soft. It's the Mark Rings. It's the Jonathan Davises. It's the whoever else you yeah. know it's wingers in it popping up and being like oh yes well i don't like where the game is nowadays like yeah well you didn't bloody see the game you were just stood on the sideline <laughs> watching until bloody someone gave it to you if you went looking for work or did anything else to go what are you what was he doing there because i think a lot of those players from this era now and from years before have firsthand seen the impact yeah. this is all happening on their friends and, and actually they so on. yeah all themselves all themselves and so this kind of macho bullshit just like it's not worth it no you know like you look tough on tv people forget that inside two they weeks do. you know they do. and also just i think i think the moral of the story is just men and rugby not a great combination is it? no i've got a great idea what what do we have a version of rugby where there was no men it already exists maybe some coaches referees. referees yeah 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 ben, ben white so, has to go somewhere doesn't he <laughs> yeah <laughs> sit in his tmo truck somewhere yeah so it'd just be entirely women playing rugby. Mm-hmm. And maybe there could be like, it could be better than men's rugby. And there, there could be like actually cool people as well. Yeah. Rather like than just people like, like you want to hear the from, same like... guy over and over again as yeah. men's professional rugbyists. <laughs> it's just like, just they're just free guy guys. Who gets and they just like clone those free guys over and over yeah. again. And you're like, oh, look, it's another one of that guy. <laughs> cool. Do you think we're going down from our job? <laughs> I think it's possible. <laughs> But hey, there's a World Cup to come. Anyway, back to the rugby. So, oh, Jesus. Yeah, the USA start to just make these errors under no pressure. You've got Gwenny knocks the ball on in quite mildly embarrassing circumstances. You've got her just generally being all over the place. Yeah. Crichton gets a penalty. You've got Owen Lent being an absolute Oh, mate. Mate. It's so good. That thing that happens when someone kicks the ball and there's a forward stood back there going, yeah, I'm backfield cover. 
Because clearly they couldn't be asked to chase a kick a minute ago. Yeah. I love when that shit happens. And Owen Lentz in the backfield here does a dummy kick. He does a dummy kick, then goes for the goose step. And you're like, this can't possibly be the... This must be 12. You're looking for the extra number on the back. Yeah. No, it is. It's Owen Lentz, the hooker. Like, Owen Lentz is a perfectly solid hooker that we've seen in the last couple of games. Here he just turns into a complete, like, skulk Brits in his prime baller. Yeah, he has a fantastic he's game. Brilliant. Like the lines he's running, the angle he's picking, the bloody backfields he's covering. Yeah. He's absolutely fantastic. I had such a good time watching him. Alongside Mike McDonald, the demolition of Leeds. I bloody love Mike McDonald. And it's good to see him on form again in this game because I've not seen as much of him in this tournament as we did in 2011. But no. He played very well here. So there's a bit of an exchange of penalties. Crichton kicks one and Herkus kicks one. So the score gets to 15-3. And I would like to share with you, look, we spoke about Rugby 04 earlier, okay? And mm. we have, in passing before, made reference on the pod to commentary that comes up either in Rugby 04 or in other general rugby games, like Rugby 2011. We've made reference yes. to shit Stuart Barnes says in there before because we've heard this commentary so many times. And I would just like to... Um, Highlight a moment that happens in this game where just the most automated rugby video game commentary ever happens. People talk a lot about uh, you know, the game being divided into quarters. Well, I think one of the most critical quarters in the match is the, is the 10 minutes before and the 10 minutes after the half time break. And if you get yourself on the scoreline there, it creates a little bit of momentum going into the break, which means that you come out with the momentum in the second half. Yep, that is a cutscene. Most automated commentary ever. That is a cutscene whilst a really, really blocky Will Greenwood is walking into position. Correct, correct. Because I love that he like really clearly explains what the ten minutes each side is, what half time is, what momentum is, what points are, what rugby is. I love. It was written by a game developer, wasn't it, It rather than a rugby pundit? It was. It was. It was very reminiscent of like you know Gordon Bray talking at length about the background and all the other shit that we constantly reference. One of my favourite things in Rugby 22, the video game, is Nick Mullins doing the commentary. There's one line where he is clearly giggling because it's something he would never say. bionic stiff arm by Morgan. Yes. No, there's one where he goes, like, Jenkins, adding to the conversation. (laughs) And he's like, that is such a stupid thing to say. I would never say that in my life. But he's just reading out line after line and he picks up that one. And then they have Ben Kay in the background going, they've opted for a short line out. This means they will have some forwards playing in the midfield. The Ospreys are a merger of two venerable Welsh rugby clubs, Neath and Swansea rugby clubs, who play traditionally in black and white. I, I love it when she... Because that's never, ever said in real commentary. <laughs> no! And, uh, like, I love it. I love that in video yeah. games they have shit like that on the commentary. And it was just great to hear it in a real game of rugby. The other thing is, like... We've learned from how many commentary teams, how many well-established commentary teams have had to do this now mm. in rugby because the licenses in, you know, all of this seem to bounce around so often. They get new teams in all the time. Stuart Miles and Miles House are the only ones that can act. Yes, yes. Like, their commentary sounds like commentary. They are the best. They are, the, like, no. Since and Bill McLaren. Other than Bill McLaren. They are, like, second to Bill McLaren. They're yes. the only other ones who can actually perform. Yes. Every other rugby commentator is an atrocious actor. There's what's the Stuart Barnes one on the 2011 game where he improvs a little bit 
And he goes like, oh, and then when you're forgetting your defensive shape, you're always going to roll over or whatever. And there's a bit where he like, he slightly, slightly goes off the the dome. That's the thing, right? Because that game is interesting because it has three commentary teams. There's Stuart Barnes and Miles Harrison. Yes. There's the French commentary with... Yes, Eric Bile and and Philip Seller. Philip Seller, thank you. And then there's also Kiwi commentary with Sean Fitzpatrick and Greg Clark. Greg Clark. Clark. And they are reading the exact same lines as Harrison and Barnes. Mm. And those lines feel written for Harrison's and Barnes because when they say it, it sounds like the sort of thing that Harrison and Barnes say to each other on Sky Sports when they're being like pseudo intellectual about the Heineken Cup in 2009. Whereas when it's Clark and Fitzpatrick talking, they do not sound natural at all. Yeah. It also sounds like they're in different rooms, whereas Harrison and Barnes are playing off each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas those two have recorded it separately because they live in different countries. One of my favourite lines of rugby video game commentary is on Rugby Challenge when the teams come out on career mode and Grant Mm. Lisbeth goes, Welcome to this round of the competition. (laughs) This is the vaguest (laughs) bit of commentary in history. It doesn't specify what round, just this round. Nobody's ever gone this round. Like, nobody cares what round it is unless you're specifying what round it is. And then the competition just any competition it's great i love how vague it is i also like every time you play fifa and you realize like oh god this is how it's done yeah like yeah. <laughs> they've got this right okay this is what they're going for but also fifa's built that up over so many years of getting them back in once a year to record a bunch more whereas like you could tell rugby 22 didn't have any more voice lines than rugby 20 <laughs> did like they got one session from two years ago and they just reused it yeah. and it's just probably the next one's just gonna have the same thing where they just reuse the They're same lines from Nick Mullins. Mullins to play to sit in a booth for one hour and read out a couple of players names who weren't about a couple of years ago you know it must be a horrible job one day i really want to get a commentator who's done that on this yes podcast. like that's the kind of dream i want to ask people about that about the act of doing that yeah the act of like sitting down and having to read out once we've every done all name the other things, that list we'll do a rugby video games podcast because i do believe that we are some of the biggest nerds on that that there are absolutely 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 and i want to do something on that next year as well yes so post world cup I want to try and do some stuff on rugby video games because yes. i think it's an untapped we've market tried to do it before and in. then just never got round to it because it's so time consuming but we will get to that yeah. next year i'm very excited for it people have always said that they enjoy that content so yeah. So, I don't think people are more interested in hearing us talk about this game than talking about, like, John and Lomi rugby. But it's we chose a podcast though. format, so we've got to stick to it. Wayne Barnes goes the full Nigel Owens. He does. He does. He calls the players over, and, oh, doesn't he throw a little... A little... A grenade. A little, little... You are. You could call it that. Just a little bit of advance. A little bit of advance. Kane Thompson and Alec Parker, two second rows, having a little nibble at each other. And he calls them over and he says, look, I know it's the end of your World Cup, but you've got a long season ahead. Let's not start your club careers with bands. You want to know something? Lads, lads, lads. what? Alec Parker was playing amateur rugby at the time. (laughs) That's also Uh, mad because he's really signed to a professional career. Yeah. Oh, he was playing in the USA. He might be playing semi-pro. Okay but was not playing in a major league where they would have registered those bands. And do you know where Kane Thompson was playing? Where? He was playing in the Pro Day Duh. Yeah, of course he wanted to start it with a ban. Yeah. Like, come on. If he doesn't start off a ban, he'll get one inside of three weeks anyway. Yeah, or he's going to get hit with somebody There's... coming back from a ban. Also, no way, they, no way they care about disciplinary proceedings in the Pro Day Duh in the North. And also, like, Pro Day Duh teams 
they sign excess second rows so they can have them on rotation because two of them are going to be banned at any given time. So yeah, you've got to you've got to have them there. You've got look. You need enough fat lumps, enough fat second rows, so that when they all punch each other, like you're able to bring on some that will be standing still. Yes. You know, it's the best league. We've spoken about Kane Thompson there. I think there's one moment, more moment of the half that we, yes. we ought to talk about, which involves Kane Thompson very heavily. But it also involves Samoa getting onto the front foot and then Eliotta Firmanisipolu being magical once more. Of course, they got on the front foot, I should say, because EFS threw this brilliant looping pass to Census Johnston, who was for some reason an edge forward, who like drew in his man perfectly and set two Alangi free on the left-hand side, which was class. What a deeply weird game Census Johnson has, I think where he's bullocking a lot. But that's it. Like, right, Census Johnson, normally known as an enormous bloke who can carry for like one meter at a time in tight. Yes, but also is an incredibly destructive scrummager. He's like a destructive carrier in small areas, providing you don't want him to run much. Here, he's like this bullocking all over the place, like Tanya the Tupo, like playing the loose. But he's getting destroyed in the tight. I wouldn't like, say getting destroyed. I would say he's solid, no, 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 no. Than, so, like a wrecking ball. No, it is like so. It kind of changes the last scrum of the first half. The USA completely blow Samoa off their own ball. Like Johnson is blown like ten meters backwards, and from there the USA have like a big, big nudge in the scrum in the second half. Like they're on top and they're winning penalties out you of think it. So yeah, they get a couple of penalties out of it. But I'd say on Samoa's ball, they're pretty solid. Yeah, well, I mean they blow them off the ball twice. Like they win penalties on Samoa's putting twice. Yeah, fair enough. It's below the standard I'd expect of Johnson as. You know, sure. like regular for a Toulouse team that goes on to win the European Cup. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, usually he's a very destructive scrummager. I would have said prior to what you just said, I would have said he was solid in this game rather than destructive, which is not usually what Johnston is, I think is the point we're yeah. trying to make. Like, it's a very different game to what he usually has. Yeah. But yeah, like Summer on the front foot, EFS most importantly is on the front foot. And once again, has a little bit of a dance in the midfield. And somehow, like, it's like a gliding motion on the outside and managed to just ease through a gap, like, as though, as though the players weren't there. You know, as though he's just kind of like running around a dummy rather than a living, human, breathing, flying American. And just glides on the outside, throws this lovely ball to Mapasua, who is on his, right on his shoulder, like, running a lovely support line, just really well timed. He runs straight into Wiles and the two kind of scramble on the floor a bit. Allowing Mapasua to throw an inside ball, like back inside past where Fulmano Sapolo was, to Kane Thompson. It's like a really aesthetically pleasing kind of in out, in out. It's a brilliant passing. try, isn't it? I think Mapasua's touch on this is gorgeous. The way that mm. he gets it in and out of his hands, probably realistically, in about two seconds, and yet it's not rushed yeah. at all. Like, he's so composed on the ball. I think that's what makes him such a good centre, is that he always finishes off those opportunities. You know, as a big crash ball centre, he's just such a good ball handler. And yeah, Thompson's support line is fantastic. He, you know, takes a bit of a shortcut from the breakdown to get under the sticks. It's a really nice try. The commentary are a bit like, oh, why would a second row be running that? We shouldn't want that. You want the bloody punching people in rucks. It's like, yeah, he just was punching someone in rucks. That's why he's there. <laughs> the referee told him not to punch people in rucks, so he was like, okay, I'll score a try instead then. Fine. If that's if the you, alternative. If I need to. Yeah. Fine, mum. Yeah. Stay out of my room. Let me score tries, mum. Yeah, mum. So that puts the score to 22 points to three. And you think, ooh, ooh, this is getting tasty. 
you also think to yourself, did you know the final score going into this game? No, I didn't. I had a I suspicion did. about who might win, but... So, knowing that Samoa scored 25 points and the USA finished within a couple of points, like, the, you know, the USA got a losing bonus point out mm. of this. You saw 22-3 and you thought there's a hell of a second half coming up oh, here. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had no idea what was going to happen. I knew one thing that happened in this game, which we will get to, because there's a very famous moment that we're going to come on to very soon. However, before we move on from the first half, I just want to play you an incredible moment of banter. Oh, yes, I love banter. Are you ready for some absolutely phenomenal side-splitting hashtag I can't bants? wait. Get, give me the bants. Place for Bath, which of course uh, is a club you used to play for, David. Indeed. Let's give yourself a bit of room. That is banter. I would say that you're correct in referring to that as banter and really insightful commentary. I think so. I think so. I think we just learned a lot there. Yeah, I learned that David Soul played for Bath. I actually didn't know that. Mm. Uh, David Soul, tough gig. Yes. Tough gig. Tough gig. We've all had those days, right? You know, like you're in a pub and like all of your, all the people you know go to the bar and you're left with like one oh, like, mates, mate, mate of a mate. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, you don't know him. You don't know him, but like you do anything for an easy life, won't you? So the guy starts talking and he's like, you know that, uh, Switzerland is actually made of ham. And you're like, oh yeah, no, I hate it when that happens. Yeah, it is. And he's like, yeah, that's the thing. Like I went to Switzerland, right? And just like everything was ham. And you're like, did you? Did you? Right. Okay. No way. And then he just sort starts telling you, like, yeah, so uh, when I was in university and I uh, bloody lived in Chiswick, one of my favourite things to do was to uh, call up the national security briefing and be like, you know what, I've got six bombs. And you'd be like, oh, cool, that's that's fun. And be like, no, it wasn't a joke, mate. I did have six bombs. And then he'd be like, oh, well, th- so they offered me a job, so I've worked for the Secret Service for four years. And I'm like, do you? And he's like, no, no, I wouldn't. didn't take the job, didn't want it, didn't want it, didn't trust them. Switzerland's um, a bit you, too made of ham for that. You know, you know that thing. Oh, you just I know like you spend the entire well. evening just going like, "Yeah, oh, really, really, that's interesting, that's interesting, really, all money, all the money in the world, all the money in the world, really." With Caris Williams, all oh, of Switzerland is made of ham. We're learning so much. Yeah, we are. But uh, yeah, I, I know exactly that, and there is very much that vibe on this commentary. Yeah, of like David Soul's sort of like stuck with this guy who's going like. So oh well, I think it's idiotic that he would kick that ball away. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I guess it is, mate." Yeah, he's just trying to get through it and claim his paycheck. <laughs> bless him, God bless him. And also, him being Scottish, he is of course the guy that they're briefing on, like the whole like just chat as much shit about England as you can thing. And he's like, yes. "I don't want to be in on this English rugby media thing. I want to be Scottish, you know." Yeah. I want to rescue Romanian internationals in caves. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Why are they asking about that? that? Yeah, exactly. If you wanted to make small talk with a guy who'd rescued Romanian internationals in caves, that's where you start. Yeah, and you end. Yes, indeed. Indeed. You ask him about his life, you know, you don't just listen to him bloody bang on about how all video games are made by the Russians (laughs) as propaganda. Sure, sure. Should we look at the second half? Yes, let's. The first kind of notable moment is 
when Samoa have that overlap and Lucky Crichton goes for that kind of little cross chip for Fat Atau, and it looks yes. like a really nice option. And the ball just does the complete opposite of sitting up for him, and it is just it's... the most horrible bounce. The one moment where you remember the pitch is incredibly rain-trodden and the conditions are awful. Yeah. Because the game is not a wet weather game at all. No. Like, it is an open game. The first 10 minutes, Samoa kick a lot. And I do think the fact that they stop kicking after about 15 minutes, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that they only score one more try yeah. after that period. As the USA start playing time. more loosely, so do they. And they just go, you know what, yeah. we can just chuck it back because they're going to make mistakes. So and also, to. they have that thing, if we've scored two tries already, we'll score more. So yeah. we'll just keep playing expansive rugby rather than actually doing the things that we got to get those two yeah. tries. Which is a mistake a lot of teams fall into. Yeah. You know, they don't trust the process, they trust the result. Yeah, and off, off the resulting scrum kind of comes the moment where the USA get into it a little bit. They make a break down the short side. Seeker does a little bit of a chip over. And that is kind of their first clean break of the game, I think. Yeah. And it's the start of the second half. And you go, oh, right, oh, no, okay, they can break down this Samoan defence quite easily as it happens. There's... You kind of forget there's two teams playing. You kind of think yeah. it's like the USA trying to contain Samoa. Then you remember like, oh, no, the... yeah, they there, there is here. more to this USA game. There's a funny moment where EFS attempts a quick tap and Herkus just slaps it out of his hands as he goes yes. for it. It's behind Wayne Barnes' back, so Wayne Barnes doesn't see it, so can't really tell him off, uh, which is clever. Good shit, Housery by Herkus. I'm here for it. Mm. And like, you forget that this USA team did give Tonga a game in the second half, you know? Yeah. They struggled, like, Maka scored after two minutes. And then they were kind of, like, reeling for a bit. No, it was a really but good game they had with them. They got themselves, yeah, in the end, into a position where they were only a couple of points behind before Varki scored late on. Yeah. And you kind of get the sense, you start to have the feeling of, like, oh, they could do the same. Like, it's more of a gap. They've got a bridge here. But they could make this. They could do this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's a great passage of play, which is crazy, where it goes back and forth. Census Johnson makes this rip and breaks downfield, which is glorious. Sevy Lee drops it, and then suddenly the USA just go, you know what, let's just play. And Herkus flings the ball like half the width of the field inside zone 22. Wiles draws Fatatau, and again, Seeker gets another break down the wing. And when, mm. in the first sort of five, ten minutes of the half, your left wing has had two clean breaks already, you're in a good position. This is going well. There's something about this game where any time the ball gets outside 13, it's a clean break. Yeah. Yeah. Like, both 13 fly up so aggressively that there's then so much room outside them. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Maria makes a really nice... Oh, it's not Maria. Sorry, is it? It's um, Justin Purdy. Purdy. Sorry. Purdy does make a nice makes break. A, makes a very nice break. Finds Fatatau in support. Fatatau's really good in this game, by the way. Like, he's... Yeah everywhere like yeah he's clearly really like, looking for work off his wing he's and he's not on for much longer chance, isn't he? yeah because david lemmy comes on a little bit but... yeah because he's been stuck behind lemmy a bit yeah you know? but he's a solid um, and so the only other game he's played was a south africa game where lemmy played fullback mm. so he's been kind of struggling for game time a bit he's had you know tanny fackenbau as well obviously he gets injured during that tonga game yeah but like He's gone to this World Cup as third choice. Yeah. And he is absolutely taking his chance now he's got it in his hands. Yeah, I think he was really good in this game. Really Agreed. made the right decisions. And yeah, on that break, links up with Census Johnston again, who like, rampages yes. into the 22, which I is great. Bullock. Yeah, yes, Bullock is the word. As Johnston rampages into the 22, Moonga just goes, you know what, enough of this. Kills the ball and gets binned for it. And... He kind of has the look on his face. He's like, oh, that's kind of a shame. But you know what? Fair enough. Yeah. So the USA go down to 14. And you look at that and you think, 
okay, this is Samoa's chance to, you know, get that bonus point try and really, you know, put the foot on the throat of them. And it doesn't quite work that way around. They do, they can't quite do it. They can't quite find the momentum. Mm. And clearly, there's such a sense of togetherness to the USA. They rally when they're at 14 men. And they managed to magic up a very significant moment not long after this yellow card. Yes. Out of absolutely nothing. So I think I had seen this try, but I didn't remember this it. This was well. the one thing I knew happened in this game. Okay. I didn't remember this. I, you know, obviously there's a legacy to mm. these moments. But they sling the ball all the way wide to Zianguenya. Yes. And now, if there's one thing that Zianguenya is famous for, it is taking names. <laughs> yes. So... Zianguenya, for anyone either unfamiliar or will have forgotten, at this stage was a newcomer to international rugby. This is his like third or fourth mm-hmm. cap because he made his debut at the start of this tournament. But he was known as somebody who could become, or potentially was, the fastest player in rugby union. Uh, he ran the yes. 100 metres in 10.5 seconds. Ten point, he'd run that just before this World yeah. Cup. Which is He's ran 10. ludicrous. Seconds. Obviously, it's very different standing start, 100 meter sprint to playing in a rugby game. But, and yeah. you know, like your speed on the pitch doesn't necessarily equate to your speed off, off the pitch, you know? Like, it's very possible but, that you could have a situation where, you know, I don't know, like Mapasua could outrun him on an angle at on a rugby pitch, mm. you know? Because it's not quite as black and white as that. But Nguenya, as you say, is somebody who's extremely hyped up. And goes on to make a lot of players look silly in his career. All those players who were hyped purely for their pace. And Gwenyu is probably the one where the pace comes across best. The absolute quickest. Because his acceleration is a standout. It's unreal. Because he's got an initial burst. And like changing direction, he's extremely good at. Which was what made Mm. him a good winger rather than just a good sprinter. Yeah. Yeah. It was a properly phenomenal rugby player. And like... He was a rugby player, yeah. you know? Like, he started playing rugby when he was young. It wasn't like he took it up in college because, like a Carlton and I was, he took it up late in life yeah. because he wasn't getting the you know, yeah. time in other and sports. Yeah, and did very well for himself. But in international 15-a-side rugby, would probably struggle at the more technical aspects. Yeah. But, like, Nguyenia came through, like, Texas age-grade system. And yeah. He was played for USA at, like, under-17s, under-19s. Like, he wasn't a player who took it up later in yeah. life. Like, he... He had a rugby rugby brain to go with him. And the thing is, we've looked at him in 2011 when he was on an extreme dip in form and wasn't bad at all, just like didn't get much ball in 2011. And was clearly a little bit lower in confidence. Whereas here, it's at the start of his career. So at some point between those two, he hits kind of top peak form when he's one of the best wingers Mm. in European club rugby, playing for Biarritz and stayed there for the majority of his career. However, at this moment, we see exactly what top-end international, if not world-class winger, is about to be unleashed. Absolutely. It is a legitimately insane, absurd try. He is on halfway. He has Alizana Tuolangi lining him up. And he gives the subtlest little step and it explodes. Like, the rate he gets up to full pace is absolutely absurd. It's like two steps. Like, Alessandro Tuolangi is a guy who is obviously known for big hits. But the thing about Alessandro Tuolangi, what sets him apart from so many other big wingers, is that the technical aspects of defence, he always nailed. 
other than yeah. here, he gets flat-footed for about half a second and bang, Nguyenu changes his angle on the ball. And he's, he's gone. gone. Like, he is gone. He is through. And here's the thing, right? Because I'm used to seeing players make odd breaks, like, on a missed tackle. You're not used to seeing players finish them. No. But the sheer pace of Nguyenu means he is there before the fullback has even reacted. Yeah. Before the fullback has got in position, he is herring towards the corner and nailed on to like, score. He starts on halfway. By the time Tulangi has adjusted his feet and re- reacted to the fact Nguyenu is about to cut inside, Nguyenu's at the 22 by that point. Like, he's so yeah. quick to get to the line. And as you say, this charge happens in a flash. Literally, they've gone from useless ball on halfway to have having had scored on the referee, having blown his whistle to award the try inside five seconds. It's absolutely absurd. Yeah. And like, you look... So this is... Nguyenia's first test try. This is his first <laughs> try for the USA. He's left Alexander Tuolangi for dead. It's starting as he needs to go on, isn't yeah, it? for sure. So, in the next few years, he goes on to absolutely make Brian Habana look like a fool. He goes on to make Shane Williams look like a liability. Yeah. He goes on to make Vance Claire look like he's never played rugby before. Yeah. And that is a small sample of... The shit he does yeah. in his career to world class players. What we were saying about David Casharava the other week, you know, very similar vibes in the complete opposite way. The amount of players he made look useless in defence. His so this is his first try for the Eagles. His last try was against Argentina fifteen. You know, like almost a decade later, nine years later, wow. where the player he's standing up is is not perhaps as big a name as Alexander Tuolangi or Brian Abanner or Shane Williams. But it's still Matthias Orlando, who's like a seasoned international. Very good defensive like, centre as well. Yeah, absolutely turns inside out and then beats Miro Moyano, the fullback. He was just a hell of a player. What a, what a player. And such a treat to watch. And at this point, for out of absolute and, nothing, he's got his team back in the game at 22-10. Yeah. Normally, if you're wanting a player of his abilities, right, his kind of quality, in a lower tier team like the USA are at this point, you're probably wanting to put them in the back row of the front yeah. row. Maybe all the halfbacks. But actually having one on the wing who can finish and create tries like that, because the USA were not going back in this game without Nguyen. No. No. Without a winger who's able to produce a bullshit moment like that, yeah. they're not they're not winning this game. They're the, not getting back the as close as they The do. front on angle of this is fantastic, by the way. If you just yeah. look at so you've got two lines from behind. Honestly, this try is so and worth going and yes, watching. Like yes, you'll probably tweet it. it in the lead of this Yeah, game, Absolutely. Know, whatever. But the the speed at which Ungwenya's feet move when he shuffles inside, like his mm. feet are unbelievably fast when he changes direction. It's gorgeous. I lost my shit yeah. watching it. This is the highlight of the game by it such a It really margin. is. This is one of the highlights of the World Cup, I it's think. Because incredible. The other Ungwenya moment, this is far more famous, I've seen so many times. Sure. This I hadn't, and especially seeing it out of context where the USA have been pretty, like, you know trodden and they slug. didn't all like score and then they just explode yeah. yeah this is they haven't had a real opportunity to score and then he just does straight this. after that there's just genuine belief in the usa attack like owen lent yeah. makes a really nice break after this and it's he changed the game completely yeah lent makes that break and the whole time it's looking outside in front of Gwenya and he's going like where are yeah. you where are you and like tuolangi comes up with quite a crucial intercept when he tries to give it to Gwenya. But at that point, the USA know if they can get him in space, he's going to skin Tuolangi. And suddenly, the opposition's yeah. biggest strength has just become their biggest weakness. It's such a huge moment of momentum swinging. It does. It changes everything. It adds belief to the USA. It adds a panic to Samoa. 
they are suddenly like the next time and Gwen he gets the ball, the next time they get it out wide, which is very soon they go like, let's just try that again. There are like four people swarming onto him. Yeah. Going, we can't trust Alizana to Alangi to make a shot on this yeah, guy. It's mental. Like that's how panicked they Lentz are. Lentz makes another break out of his 22 and EFS's only option is to obstruct the support because, you know, they know that they're capable of finishing these chances all of a sudden. And so yeah. AFS tackles somebody early before the ball. I don't think it is in Gwenya. I think it's Seeker instead. But still, there's such panic in Samoa that they don't believe they're going to cover this. Um, it's Elof, okay. 13. Yeah. And, you know, they're giving away penalties and panicking instead of trusting their defence to cover these things. And the momentum is just all with the USA now. Yeah. It's really, really exciting and changes the game. Mm. Suddenly, the USA just start to swing completely. Hercus managed to knock over some points, which is a weird decision when you've just got yourself back within 15 points. Sure. I get it, though. I get it. But, you know, also when it's on, when it's 55 minutes, it makes more sense. Yeah. And it's 65 minutes, you kind of like, oh, okay, when they've got fine, momentum, they trust, you know, they're going to have another opportunity, you know. Yeah. And I say, especially with, you know, the card coming and everything. And it all starts to move towards the USA. There is one really, really dumb, easy penalty they hand Samoa between the posts. Samoa then turn it down and tap it, only for the USA to turn it over, oh. because they are just a changed team now. Yeah. So you have even their defence is starting to be affected by the impact of the Nguenia thing, mm. because they would have conceded that in the first half. I yeah. think, like, Easily. you know, Samoa taking a tap 15 metres out between the posts, that was just sort of done, you yeah. know? Whereas now, everything's changed. I think that there's then a very potentially significant game-changing moment that could happen, happens about a minute later. So Samoa go, right, let's get into the opposition half, let's sort this out, go back to how we started the game, right? See if we can Mm. get some territory and build a score again. And Lockie Crichton gets charged down on halfway by Mike Herkus. And yes. there is nobody in the backfield for Samoa. And Mike Herkus is there. And if he can get a toe on the ball, he's looking at either scoring or Seeker is outside him, sprinting onto the ball against a tired Fat Atau or Crichton. Like, I am backing Seeker all day long there. And once again, the ball just rolls away from Herkus's left boot. It's the pitch being so wet, so yeah. damp. It just doesn't bounce. There's no bounce whatsoever. If it bounced in a way that any ball... Because w- I saw that and thought, holy shit, the USA are going to score here. Yeah. Like, as soon as that charge down came in, even though it was from halfway, I just thought, right, Herkes' boot is going on that. And Herkes has got a very accurate boot. Because the kicking player as well continues moving forward because they're following through the ball. Like, yeah. And there's no one behind. No one in home. front. Like, there's such a... It is such a nailed-on chance, and the ball just doesn't do what you want from it. No. And then the USA can't recycle it in time when the defence is still organising. Yeah. It's a huge moment that, and luckily for Samoa, Herkus knocks it on while trying to pick it up because the ball's so slippery, and mm. they're still in. The, they're still ahead at this point, and uh, there's suddenly an air that they're clinging on for dear life. There's a point where EFS gives the crowd what they want and gives them another Nguenya versus Tuolangi foot race, which Nguenya wins because EFS just mm. boots the ball downfield down that wing to stay in play and it, it, like in a broken field and it's great seeing those two running after each other like going at each other is, is really good but yeah not long after that Samoa get another penalty because the USA come mm. up offside and they take the three points this time like they take their lead out to 25 points on the board so it's what 25-13 at this stage so at this point Samoa are probably... Yeah. 
closer to being safe. However, it isn't long before the USA have managed to work their way downfield. Mm. They threw a, there's a lovely kick and they end up on the 22, smell of the ball and they turn it over instantly and win the penalty straight between the post on the 22. And you think for a moment, this is their chance. They are now 12 points behind, right? But they have had all momentum for the last 30 minutes and they now have a chance to shove it in the corner and get back within what? We're going to convert a try. Yeah. We're going to convert a try being ahead. And instead, Herkus goes to the post because he doesn't realise that tries are worth more (laughs) than penalties these days. (laughs) I was wondering where you were going with that. Yeah. So he brings it up to 25-16. I don't hate this decision, but I can see what you mean with 10 minutes left, like time is ticking, that that is very much going for a losing bonus point rather than going for a win. Kicks that penalty in the 75th minute. Like, oh, the yeah. penalty's awarded on the 73rd, and by the 75th, by the time he's going over. Yeah. Like, that's not worth it. Mm. To get yourself back within nine points. Sure. No. Sure. No. Go for the corner. You've got to eat away at that lead a bit. Even if you then don't have time, you want to give yourself that opportunity. I think this is a really poor decision that costs mm. the USA the game, or costs the USA the chance of winning the game. I get that. I, I totally see that, especially, you know, considering how they finished the game as well, which we'll get on to. Yeah. Like, their, their pack does start to look very good. Worth mentioning as well, after that penalty goes through, Samoa make a substitution. They um, bring off Mohamed Schwager, you know, the vice captain, huge leader. Uh, they bring him off and they bring on in his place a guy called Silao Sefo, who is on debut. Mm. So winning his first cap for Samoa, he comes on. I, I'm not familiar with this guy. However, what happens then? Samoa take the kickoff into the USA 22. The USA catch it. And there's a guy just stood in front of the catcher for the USA with his back turned to the Samoan defence. And Sefo, freshly on the pitch for his first cap, just randomly flies and shoulder barges the guy to floor. And Wayne Barnes... Uh, in fact, no, before we even talk about Wayne Barnes, mm. the guy gets shoulder barged to the floor. He goes flying, right? At which point... The USA start playing wide, okay? So they go through a couple of pairs of hands. And Eloff lets go the ball to pass to Z and Gwenya on the right-hand side. And you go, holy shit, there's a break opportunity here. At yeah. which point, Alizana Tuolangi makes what I think is a really smart decision. And he goes in for an intercept that he knows he's not going to get and deliberately knocks the ball on. And I think that's a really smart t- decision. Firstly, because he doesn't get pinged for it he doesn't get a yellow card for it because he's had another guy who's just done some, uh, the, that massive shoulder barge which is so much more illegal that's the thing yeah. on Wayne Barnes's mind and he's not going to sim bin them both at once which arguably he should but he kills this overlap and doesn't give Nguenya a one-on-one with Crichton which he would take all any day of the week and would guarantee seven points for the USA so he deliberately knocks the ball on I think that's a really smart decision by Tuolangi however one of three deliberate knock-ons, like very clear deliberate knock-ons that Wayne Barnes kind of thinks about, then gives his scrums. Nowadays, he'd be giving instant yellow cards. Yes. Nowadays, he would have sent both off. Yes. I think Wayne Barnes referees less like a Tory these days. (laughs) There's a moment in this game, right, where Barnes calls advantage, then the... So, calls advantage, Samoa passed the ball once, they then pass a second time and he gets intercepted, and he goes, advantage over, they have the chance to play it. Yeah. I get it. Like, you, yeah, but also... It's kind of funny. 
Come on, mate. Yeah. There's a little bit of him being like, well, you had the opportunity to go and do something with it. Never mind it wasn't fair, fundamentally. You had an opportunity to do something with your limited resources. So therefore, you... and like, he's become far more of a, like a reasonable fella. Sure. Um, with Fellas, time. Yes. Far more empathetic, I think. But I should and say... he still, still referees his game well, I think. Yes, he does. But... I should say, on that incident, Sefer obviously gets a yellow card. Like, yeah. straight away, without even needing to review it, talk to his touches or anything, Wayne Barnes just blows his whistle and goes, you, come here, that's really stupid, off you go. And that's the first thing he does in international rugby, which do is you pretty know, funny. So, do you... No, 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 it goes better than that, right? It's the only thing he does in international is rugby. This is his only cap. This is Silo Sefo's only cap. What a fucking hero. <laughs> so... He and we're talking about him. The bench. He plays one minute of international rugby, right? Yep. In his whole career. And yet, we're here 16 years later talking about him. What? How fucking genius is that? He plays one minute of international rugby and gets simpinned immediately. It's really funny that this wasn't a red card, by the way, because it totally is a red card offence. Yes. Yeah. But... That's still in the last 10 minutes and he gets a yellow. Like, That's it's still heroic. fine. He's still off the entire way. Yep. Uh, look, spoilers, I was going to give him dick of the day, but I actually think I'm going to change my mind on that now. Like, that's incredible. He's just written his name into Rugby World Cup folklore and history. Yep. Only thing he ever does. What Do you want to know another fun fact about him, right? What? He has four degrees. <laughs> He's a smart lad. He knows what to, he knows how to make, him, make a mark. I might give him man of the match now. <laughs> he's he's a hero. He's my new Silas Sefo is my new absolute all time rugby hero. Oh my god! I'm picking him in the draft at the end of this series. Yeah, we're going to be racing for Silas Sefo. Samoan who played one minute, about <laughs> twenty five seconds of international rugby. If that, if that, how long does it take for a guy to catch a kickoff? <laughs> No, I mean, there's about a minute of him being on the pitch in total, because Barnes had to, like, walk over to him to give him a yellow. Sure, sure. So, like, we're looking at very, very minor leagues time. Yeah. That's genuinely hilarious. I cannot believe that. Just all-time heroic behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So, right, let's uh, finish off the last few moments of this game. Sure. And Gwenya makes a little half, half break and offloads to Wiles. Hercus does what I've described as a weird grubber to Tuolangi, who just booms yes. it downfield. Erskine does this weird little snipe as well, which is a bit of a stupid decision when the USA have all the momentum. Yep. However, they get the ball wide, and Philip Eloff makes a little bit of a break. Throws an offload on the inside after getting tackled by Sevi Lee, and Gwenya kind of toes it along to the try line, mm. but gets beaten to it by Crichton, which gives the USA a scrum five. Well, yeah, so there's a moment where this does look like a try. Mm. Because I think from the first angle the Timo looks at, and the Timo looks at this a lot. Yes. Like, he really, really digs into this one as, like, a treat that he's enjoying, as, like, a pudding that he's been looking forward to all day. So you have Crichton kind of, like, just about hits it, but, like, from the first angle we see, we can't see him ground the ball. And his elbow touches it, and you're like, oh, it's just a weird one. He grabs it with his elbow. Then Ngwenny falls on it and scores. Because when you then ground it after he hits it with his like elbow, then you can see eventually like his hand does touch. It oh yeah, it's very clearly, yeah, but yeah, only like, from the behind angle. It's like, but oh, it's like we should yeah, have seen that. We should have seen that. But like there was a moment where I was like, oh, this is a really interesting one. But decided like the elbow counts as grounding it. Yeah, sure. This is gonna be an interesting contentious decision. And then yeah, it gets given to scrum five, which feels like a fair assault. Really. Yeah, but the USA do well off this. 
Yeah. As they end on a high, we're into the 80th minute, and Louis Stanfield has moved to number eight and has a bit of a pick and a go. He has had a very quietly excellent World Cup. He has. Louis Stanfield. We've not really talked about him much in this game, but I think he really deserves the try that he gets at the end of this. This is his second try of the World Cup as well. Mm. Which isn't bad going. No. For some, you know, quite a kind of quiet workman-like back five forward, you know. And yeah. also, it's not recommended to just pick the ball up and run straight into Alessandro Tuolangi. And yet he scores off it. He absolutely does. He absolutely does. The other thing, like, so Louis Stanfell as well, who obviously went on to play for a long time after this. Like, yeah. this was quite early in his career. Did he go to 2015? Yeah. So he won his first cup in 2005. He went on to play for the San Diego Legion in MLR. He did. Legend. Like, played 19 games for the San Diego Legion in MLR. Retired in 2020 when he was diagnosed with lymphonia. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. However, right, he has been, whilst doing chemotherapy, qualifying as a firefighter. What a bloke. And, like, there's no surprise that he's nails and will take any challenge on. And will do it, no doubt, to an excellent standard. Got a lot of time for Louis Stanfill. So, Kramer Greenberg Stanfill, his wife... Aaron Smith would love that. His wife's called Kramer. Yeah. And so would Michael Checker. Yeah. So I always say, I feel if I was four floors up in the burning building, but I knew my husband was coming through the door, I'd be okay. Oh. Which is like, I think, a great kind of tribute to his character and how beloved he was. And it's one one of those people... Translates to the rugby pitch, doesn't it? I remember Blaine Scully saying, I remember like across the board, like no one has a bad word to say about this. Everyone speaks very highly of him. Very hard work. Worker as a guy who kind of sets a stall out, as a guy who like commits to things, and as someone who's incredibly genuine and yeah. humble. So yeah, big up Louis Stanfield. Really appreciate him scoring. Yeah, he takes the try incredibly well. And as you say, like he runs straight out of the and comes out better for it. Yeah. So good on you, respect, mate. Respect, respect. So the final score ends up as Samoa twenty-five, USA twenty-one. USA get the bonus point in the end, but, but. So, I think this has been rugby, and indeed players, but I'm not sure all the rugby players were human in this Samoan team. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think Maria has had a really um, significant World Cup for many reasons. I think, you know, she's learned a lot and and done some things that are really going to impact her later life. However, I think that Samoa have had some real rugby players who have really stood up for them. A lot of this, this is a Samoan team building, I think, and you probably didn't know that at the time because mm. there was quite an old age profile. Yeah. But the players that leave are actually replaced by better players and it allows them to build that golden generation that maybe they don't perform in World Cups, but they perform around World Cups incredibly well and they beat half the Tier 1 nations yeah. over the next few years and they almost beat the Springboks in the following World Cup and almost beat Wales. But this is kind of the start of that, I think. This yeah. is kind of the beginnings of For everything. sure. And I think that a lot of the players who shine through here are on the majority ones who go on to play in 2011 and shine mm. in the same World Cup. So going to repeat a few names here. I think Mo Schwalger is one of the standouts for Samoa. I think he's an absolute yeah. animal across the park. I think EFS has an outstanding tournament when he comes in in kind of the second half of it, despite him being a bellend. Mapasua and Tuolangi are two lads who just are world-class at the top of their game. Tuolangi yeah. in particular, I think, has an absolutely outstanding World Cup, as does Kane Thompson. Agreed. Agreed. I think that, for me, I think the standout for 
player for Samoa across this entire World Cup is their captain, Semo Titisi, a player who I'd okay, not actually yeah. seen play before. I knew I knew of him, and I knew that he was like a Samoan legend, but I never actually got the chance to actually watch him play, watch his, his highlights, and I think he's fantastic in this tournament. He's clearly a great leader, makes countless tackles, and is a player who just comes up with big moments, and I really, really yeah. enjoyed watching him. He's someone, because he plays in 2003 and 1999 as well. Mm. He's someone, and he also plays in two Sevens World Cups of Samoa. Mad. Like, I'm excited to see him play again. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see him come up again. He's fantastic. And just kind of see him build as a player. Because he was such a great captain, I think, in particular. Mm. Like, he's a real And this is the end of his career in his team. as well. Yeah. Close towards. Yeah. This is, this is it. Obviously, Sefo at the end of his career is the real standout here. But... Yeah, I think Mapasura as well is like building into the player he'll become as one of the greats of Samoan rugby. And obviously the head coach now. Fulman Sapolo is a dickhead, but like enjoy watching him. Yeah. Mahari Sralga as well, I greatly enjoyed seeing in this form. And also like Lockie Crichton deserves mention. Like he's really solid. <laughs> For a player who doesn't exist, it, he plays very well in this yeah, game and a couple of the others. It makes sense to me that when you look at this team, what they all they needed was two CPCs, a very sensible fly yes. half to come in. Yes. Like, and then literally that comes in and they click. Yeah. That was the only thing they're missing. But yeah, I think obviously if I'm picking a standout, it's Alessandro Tuolangi. Yeah. I'm sorry to is. be boring, but like, it's no one else. No, I can't disagree with that whatsoever. He's absolutely world class. Like, he's the best player in this team. Yeah. Like, as I say, Satiti's a player who's really stood out to me in terms of the player that's made me feel a lot of it as this World Cup's gone yes. on. You know, not knowing Quite. what to expect from him. But Tuolangi is the best player in this team. He is one of the best players in the world at this point. Yeah, it's absolutely. Just, he's a player who I will always feel grateful for the fact that I got the chance to watch him when he played, you know, like uh, as a fan. Absolutely. And being able to do it again is just a joy. Absolutely. Can't argue with that at all. So, should we do Man of the Match and Dick of the Day? Yeah, let's do it. It's, oh, it's difficult, isn't it? It it's is. Difficult, it is. difficult it is. to pick. Where do you want to start? Uh, should we start with Man of the Match? Okay, okay. I think that Filmon Sapolo has a great game, but I'm not going to give it to him on the basis that he's a dickhead. Yes. Look, I don't want to be ha- all hashtag woke, but I don't disagree with him being Man of the Match officially, but I'm not giving him my Man of the Match. I also yeah. do think he has a couple of like needless flash cunt moments that I he don't want reward. He does. But he's very, very good. Lights the game up. Uh, yeah, Mapasua is excellent. I think does all the really reliable stuff well. I think Owen Lentz is brilliant for America. I think yes. he's their standout player. Really, really enjoyed his contribution to this. But in a very strange twist, despite giving away a couple of scrum penalties, I'm going to give Man of the Match to Census Johnston. I think around sure. the park, he was just outstanding and he was everywhere. And yeah, like on his own ball, he was pretty good. As I say, a couple of scrum penalties. But yeah, I really like Census Johnston in this game. I think he played very, very well. I agree with literally everything you said, but I'm giving Man of the Match to Silas effort. No. <laughs> Oh, well, I could I'm do really that. tempted to. I'm oh, really tempted to. Please do it. Look, it's a really weird choice because, like, I don't think there's one player who feels head and shoulders above everyone else. I think all the players you mentioned have been fantastic. Justin Purdy, I thought, had a good game, actually, mm. for a player that also doesn't exist. And I'm kind of tempted. I'm kind of. One guy we really haven't mentioned is Maurice Schalger, who I think is yeah, actually good as he's well. Brilliant. I think on. And Gwenya as well. For, like, oh, the way God, yes. The game. Like, Value per touch, he is the best player in the field. God, yes. But he just doesn't get enough touches, which is the thing that counts against him. Alec Parker, surprisingly good game oh, as well. I, I love Alec but Parker. I've got such a soft spot for him. I'm tempted, and I think I'm going to give it to Kane Thompson, his opposite number. 
Oh, who I scores like the try is an utter bastard in a game that requires an utter <laughs> bastard. Uh, carries hard, like handles the ball, just does a lot of grunt work. It's a tight call. It's a really difficult game to pick a man of the match on. It is. But I think I, I don't disagree with Senator Johnson. And I feel like if we're doing TV punditry and we had to each contribute one, I'd let you pick Senator Johnson. If we're like Jiffy and Chris Patterson picking them. But I'm going to go Kane Thompson as my man love it. of the I love that we've both gone for tight forwards. When, tight forwards. Uh, in such yeah. a what cool game. guys we are. Yeah, we know no, about hipsters. hashtag rugby. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? I want Salah Sefo to be remembered as a contributor in this game. So he is going to be my dick of the day. But yeah. I do want to mention the commentators again for the particular moment. So obviously, right, Fatal, who's also fantastic. We didn't mention him. Yeah, he's brilliant. Really good. Scores that tries five minutes. The break to get them in that position that leads to the, you know, overrun line out was on three minutes and 21 seconds, right? The commentator says that is the best attacking move of the entire <laughs> game so far. It didn't say so far, well, it just says of the in. entire game. Of the entire game. He makes a judgment the on the, the yeah. next 77 minutes. That's so really that's funny Dick of the Day nomination worthy. Yes, I'm glad you noted that down. But, yeah, I mean, look, it can't be anyone else. It's got to be our king, yeah. Sefu. Yeah, it's... Right, I'm giving him Dick of the Day, but when it comes to the end of the tournament, can we file him in the Man of the Match um, bracket? Because that's a yes. that is a heroism of a Dick of the Day. The only thing he's ever done in international rugby being shoulder barging someone and getting sent off for it. That is just okay. incredible. I'm going to put like a hash in his not Man of the Matches. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, quick mention to Nigel Owens for micing himself up as the fourth official. <laughs> And you can hear him speaking like a few times in the game. It's like, Nigel just wants oh, to be involved, doesn't he? Of course. He probably fed Wayne Barnes that line oh, he about, did. oh, you don't want to start off your band, do you? Yeah. And he's like, oh, you don't want to start your band, do you? Okay. But yeah, Sefo deserved Dick of the Day, but in the most heroic way possible. He is etched into Rugby World Cup history, and good on your son. Absolutely. Enjoy your four degrees. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, William Owen. And I'm thank Jones, you yes. to, thank you, Stephen Jones. Yes, I hope you enjoy my new film, Licorice Pizza, which came out last year. I hope you enjoy my awards. And we will see you next week for All oh Boy is a Big One. This is a really exciting, huge game. New Zealand 85, Romania 8. And oh, by the way, listeners of this podcast will be going like, you know what? This series of the podcast, the 2007 series, fucking sucks. And you know why it fucking sucks? Because they've not had Jamie Wall on as a guest. Well. Well, well. it's about time we changed that. Yes. Jamie will be returning to the podcast because it's an episode on New Zealand. So we'll get Jamie back on <laughs> and I'm very excited for it. And we will see you there. We're coming towards the end of the pool stage. We are long overdue having Jamie on. Yes. So we'll see you then next week. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.